Today is Thanksgiving Sunday for the final years. And we just want to say thank you, Pastor. It is an honor. I'm still shaking to stand here. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to stand here and to speak to you. I just want to say, uh, may the will of the Lord reign in this place. May God say what he wants to say. And may I not be the one that speaks. Well, it's amazing that, uh, wait, how many minutes do I have? Before I start, I need to know. Oh, okay, that should be enough. Uh, my brother James said when he first preached, uh, oh, the sermon was short. In case mine is five minutes, forgive me. <laughs> I, I came today and the discussion was on preaching. And I, when pastor said, uh, do, be yourself, do not speak as I do. I said, but I was praying that may the grace on pastor's head rest upon me. So... <laughs> I was preparing to speak like pastor today. I <laughs> Quickly, shall we turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter The Bible reads, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am, the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, and others Jeremiah, or others the pro one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art, Christ, that art, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh no blood hath, thus, hath revealed this to you, but my Father which art in heaven. We'll, we'll read verse 18 later. Father... May your word come as it should be. May you speak without reserving. My God, may you manifest yourself in this word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My, uh, my sharing today is entitled, Walking with God. Now, this I, I, I actually told Pastor yesterday, I said, Pastor, uh, it was very hard to come with a title and to write the summary notes. So in case I deviate, Please, just know it is well. Walking with God. Jesus asked a question. He said, whom do men say that I am, I the son of man? They were all able to answer to say, you are, some say you are John the Baptist. Others say you are Isaiah. Others say you are Jeremiah the prophet. And others say you are one of the prophets. Then Jesus turned the question and said, but whom do you say that I am? This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. When Jesus asked to say, who do you say that I am? Th there is something that excites me when I read this scripture. Whom do you say that I am? It is easy to say what others have said about God. You might have heard pastor say Jesus is a healer. It is easy for me to replicate what pastor has said. But when it comes to me when I'm sick, who do I say he is? 
It is easy to say he's my provider, but when it comes to a personal level, how do I say he's my provider? And that is the, that is the message, the key message. If, in case you miss anything, this is the message. Whom do you say that I am? In the book of Matthew from chapter 4, Jesus called Simon, Andrew, John, and James. They walked with him. And he started performing miracles. In, in chapter, chapter 6, you already find him already performing miracles. They walked with him up to chapter 16 when he asked them, who do you say that I am? I should believe that they should have been able to, to say from what they had seen. They should have said, hey, we saw you heal. We saw you do this. You are the Christ. But Jesus said something after Simon answered. He said, this has not been revealed by man, but by my Father in heaven. There is something about God that only God can tell you. Pastor, pastor can tell you Jesus saves your life and you have salvation. But there is something you need to dig deeper yourself in your closet when no one is around. Such that when the waves come and, you're, and, and problems hit, you still rely on the word of God. And that is where we need to get. To, shall we turn our Bibles to Matthew 8, verse 13? In Matthew 8, verse 13, if you read the earlier verses, uh, let me just read verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the same hour. Now, just to give you a background of what happened here, Jesus was just from healing someone with leprosy. And the centurion came to him and said, My servant is sick. Jesus said, I will come with you. The centurion said, you don't have to come with me. Just say your word and it shall, it shall happen. The centurion went on to explain to say, I have soldiers under me, and when I, I, I speak a word, they do. So speak a word. Now, it's Jesus said something that was amazing here. He said this kind, let's go. This one, I need to read it nicely. And Jesus, that should be in verse, verse 14. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, verse 11. Uh, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. This is where I want to end. So great faith. There is no rule book in how Jesus operates. If you are waiting for Jesus to operate like A, B, C, and D, you'll be shocked. You'll go Z, X, Y. That is the way God works. When this centurion came to Jesus, he came with a conviction that Jesus can speak a word and it shall come to pass. There is a word that can come to me. I believe it. Two people get a word. Pastor might pro prophesy and say, you shall do this by the end of the year. Let me give a very nice example to my sisters. Pastor says, you will get married at the end of the year. He tells all the sisters in church. One will get married. Another one will not get married. The same word came to both, but only one got it. What differentiates the others? When there was no name that was mentioned, what differentiated the others is how they received the word. Right. You might have underestimated a word and said, ah, I, I am used. Pastor says that. Today is just a normal day. Oh, I, I am used. It's just another person. But there is a way you can receive the word of God believing with yourself. Listen, Jesus did not care about public opinion. He was concerned about their personal conviction. 
when he asked them who they thought Jesus was, he did not ask, uh, he, he was not worried about what others had said. They said he was the prophet. But Jesus was more concerned about what they had to say. Jesus does not care if pastor says Jesus is Lord. He cares about what you say about him. It's not only about what you say about him, it is about what you believe in. It reminds me of when uh, I was a child. Uh, you know, our mothers are very wise. They can ask you, if they want to beat you, like they used to do, they can ask you a question that either way you answer it, it ends in a beating. <laughs> so, <laughs> no matter how you try to dilly-dally uh, around answering it, there's a way you just find yourself. So Jesus asked a question. He asked them in a wise way. He said, who do men say that I am? That was very easy for them to say. And that's why they were very quickly to say the answer. But when he asked on a personal level, he said, who? Only one was quick to answer. And that was Simon Barjona who answered. Students, let's bring it to the stud students' context since it's final year. The hardest thing to do in our study is the thesis. And reason being is because you have to write a discussion to show what you are thinking and to show how you are critical at analyzing things. The other things you can report, introduction, you can say, methodology, you can say what, you can say what others have said. Let it come to the discussion, defending what you found, explaining why it should be that and that. That is the most difficult because it shows where you are. The people had walked with Jesus, but they did not get the revelation of who Jesus was. They focused on the son of Mary and missed Jesus Christ, the son of God. So, in Mark chapter 5, verse 28, quickly shall we go there. We find a story of, of a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. Verse 28, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. I, I do not know, Pastor, correct me if I'm wrong. I have never read in the Bible where someone else touched Jesus' clothes first and they got healed. I believe this was a record-breaking moment. It had never been done before. What made her get whole is not because she touched Jesus' cloth, but what made her get whole is because she had the conviction. Listen. Jesus, when he was moving, there were people surrounding him. When Jesus said, someone has touched me, one of the disciples, it should have been Peter, who said, how can you ask that someone has touched you? Can't you see the people around? Everyone is bumping into you. How come you have said one? There was only one touch. Only one touch that made Jesus feel that there was a touch and there was a move. And the, an amazing thing happened. Well, when this woman was asked why, why she touched him, and Jesus said, Behold, thy faith. He said, Thy faith. The key word was thy faith. I chose to believe there were people. Jesus was known of healing. He was known of delivering. He was known for so many things. I chose to believe there were people who, must, who might have had a problem amongst those. There could have been someone who might have had a problem, but did not get their breakthrough at that moment. Probably they were waiting for Jesus to lay a hand on them. But there was a conviction in a woman to say, I should just rub into him, touch his cloth, and I shall be made whole. This was something that came from personal conviction. There is no logic in just touching a man's cloth and you get healed. 
it takes something from within. That what, that's what makes a man or a woman get whole from touching Jesus. You can come to church and you have a headache. Ten people have a headache and someone is preaching or there is a worship song. And you tell yourself to say, by the time I finish this worship song, as I worship you, O oh God, for you are the great physician. When I'm done, I am whole. There is another person who comes and says, I have a headache. By the time I am done, pastor should lay a hand. And when he lays a hand, maybe I will be okay. Pastor calls for people to get prayed for. They come, we come in front, we come in front. He lays a hand. Because you had your maybe. You had your maybe. And instead of you having a headache, now there's even a running stomach. <laughs> that, that, is, that is how... That is the difference between public opinion and personal conviction. It is what you believe in. Do I still have time? <laughs> Number two, you need to become conscious of God and depend on his guidance. When you start walking with God, when you discover who God is to, for yourself, you start leaning on him for even simple things. I like one pastor uh, said a question, he asked a question to say, if you can afford it, will you still pray about it? No. <laughs> yeah? If, if, if you can afford it, will you still pray about it? If I, if I have money in my bank account, I will just go quickly to that showroom, the way I like that Mercedes Benz. Eh? I will go and buy. Have I asked God, is it time for me to buy Mercedes-Benz or should I wait in Corolla? <laughs> this is what it means. You need, when you get to know God, you, even things that are very logical, you need to ask. You, when you have a relationship with God, you might walk anytime and you will continue walking. You don't have to go into the closet and, uh, and shout, shout, shout for you to hear from God. When you become so conscious of God, you will know that I should not use this bus. I should use that one. I should not go left. I should go right. Listen to this. If God tells me to go this direction to go get that speaker, and he tells me the direction you should take is this way, I should go. Logic tells me that the speaker is this way. Yeah. Normally, I should walk that direction. But God tells me go this way. That is where that speaker is. From a carnal mind, you start questioning God. Is, am I hearing my own? Or is... Am I... You start to reason with God. Let's look at a very good example. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. And, Jesus, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after the troops? Let's end there. Let me give you a quick background. David had gone for battle. When he got there, they said, the Philistines said, uh-uh, we can't fight with this guy. Send him back home. He, let him not be here. And David and his men were ready for battle. They had prepared to fight. And when David was sent back home, they found that they, they had been raided and that the women and everything had been captured. You know, when you're going for a battle, you first train, eh? There's a way you train and you get ready for a fight. At that point, let me just tell you a story. So one time as a child, I, from school, I came back at 12 o'clock. Now, in, in Africa, we were usually taught that you should not eat food at other people's house. Eh? <laughs> so I came back from school and 
I, I went to watch video. By then there was video. VCR, I don't know what they called them. So I went to watch VCR at a friend's place. And uh, by the time I was coming back, it was 6 o'clock in the evening. Knowing as a child my curfew should have been 4 o'clock. I missed porridge, which was at 16. That was already a crime. Plus coming late, that's 2. So I was watching Commando. I don't know if you know. <laughs> I was watching Commando. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Double impact. We watched all those kinds of movies. Eh? You know that four pipe gun that he was holding. So I got home, and uh, that that day at school we received people from victim support unit. They were telling us to say they were advocating. I don't know what they call it. They were saying if you are abused at home, for instance, if they beat you, please feel free and report. If you do, if they ask you to wash plates a lot, feel free and report. <laughs> so. I, I got home, and uh, my mother, as usual, a very wise woman, I love that woman to death, she asked a very <laughs> wonderful question. She said, next time you come late, I will show you I beat you. So because I was from watching Commando, I was hyped. <laughs> you do not understand. I was prepared. There was a, way, there was a feeling I was carrying. So I looked at her, and I said, if you beat me, I'll take you to victim support. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to cut that story short, uh, uh, I respect my mother to date. That woman came kung fu panda on me. <laughs> By the, and you know the way, the way our mothers used to beat? They beat you such that you do not have evidence to take the victim support. <laughs> By the time she was finished, anyway, back to the story. When David had gone... When David had gone from battle, I assume he must have been hyped to say, today I'm going to kill a thousand more people. He comes back and he finds that they have been raided. Your wife has been taken. Your children have been taken. Tell me, what is the first logical thing you should do? Pursue. With, with that, with that uh, energy you've been carrying. On top of that, for, uh, in my language, there's what we call chifukush. We, we say anger. With that anger of being sent from battle without fighting, you make it double to go kill the guys who've taken your wife. But David did something that changed my life. David asked of the Lord, uh, the question is, shall I pursue? That was, his, that was, that was David's prayer. This, the question shall I has two answers. It can be no and it can be yes. Yeah. David was willing to listen to the Lord even if it was no. I can't imagine what the wives should have felt if they knew that David actually went to ask God if he should come and rescue you. <laughs> that is proper grounds for divorce. But David, but David went into his closet, and I love what he did. He went to the priest. There are certain issues, there are certain prayer points that pastor can pray with you, but you tell him to say, Pastor, I want to take the lead on this one. There's a way you can feel it. You feel it yourself. Pastor will pray with you, but there's a way you feel it and you say, God, this one, I want to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. I want to tell you how I feel. And that is what David did. He went to the priest and got the effort, and he worried and, and he prayed. He asked, shall I pursue or shall I overtake? David's prayer was, which direction should I take to catch them? And that is where we as believers, when you start to walk with God, when you discover who God is, when you get an understanding of what God is able to do in your life, 
It doesn't matter the circumstance. You become very conscious of God. God becomes so real to you. He becomes like a man next to you. You talk to him directly. The problem is that nowadays, because we believe God is almost invisible, it's invisible. We believe God is invisible. So we can do what we want and only think God is found in church. God needs to be with you every step of the way. When your boss asks you to say, uh, can you inflate the figure? Jesus is there. Do you still have the guts to say, this I cannot do? Or shall you say, yes, boss, when is my promotion coming? There is a difference between a man who can listen to God and become so conscious with God and move with God so real that he's almost tangible to you. That is the kind of living that David had. Because when God says no, even if you like it, you just say, okay, I walk. David was about to be stoned. You, if you read the verses before, David was about to be stoned. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And David went and asked the Lord, shall I pursue? But now listen to what happens in verse, uh, in verse 18 to 19. And David recovered all. I choose to believe if David went ahead without seeking of the Lord, this would have been a different story. There are some things that might look like delay in your eyes or like an obstacle in your eyes, but God is preparing you for something great. There's a way you can think God is, is maybe delaying you. You want to go fast forward and you think that is the only way. You think time is catching up with you and you're remaining behind. Hold on. Listen to God. I choose to believe he's the best, most experienced person I can ever ask for wisdom from. Because I know that even before creation, he was. He is the uncreated creator, the one in three, the three in one. He is the ancient of days. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the one who creates an ending even before the beginning. Hey, no, you, you haven't gotten that one. He creates the ending even before the beginning. That is who Jehovah is. That is who Jehovah is. That is something that we need to become conscious of God. Number three, you do not fear nor panic. Second Kings 6, 15 to 16. Very quickly. Just to quickly run down, run down the story. This was, uh, Elisha was, the king of Syria wanted to attack Israel. And Elisha kept on revealing his, his plans. So every time he plans, he kept, he kept on revealing. So the king of Syria said, who's this guy who's revealing? And they said, Elisha. They said, where is he? Find him. They found him. They surrounded him. Elisha's servant woke up. When he opened and saw, they were surrounded. Logic says we are finished. That is the point where if you're not sure about your salvation, you ask again. That guy said, they are here. We are finished. At that moment, he knew that there was no way out. But when Elisha came out, Elisha did something that was amazing. There is something you, when you start to walk with God, there is something you see that others don't see. When you walk with God, there is something you know that others don't know. Listen, when you, you can go to a job with all your masters, you can have the same masters, but what differentiates you from A and B is what you know. You, this, this world now, people pray, people fast. You can be praying for the same job. I remember, oh, I, I've forgotten the pastor's name. He said, you can be going for the job and there are five Christians there. Believing Christians who are praying for the same job. <laughs> what would differentiate you? Maybe you fasted three. There was someone who did seven. What would differentiate you is what you know. So, Elisha knew something that his servant did not know. 
And what he knew was that those that were with them were more than those that surrounded them. And that was victory. The Bible in the book of 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says, For God has not given me the spirit of fear. That, that, that is enough for me. No matter the circumstance, I, I, I do not need to fear. Fear creeps in, but no matter the circumstance, know that you know as you walk with God. I'm not saying the moment you just become born again, fear goes away. Reality, that it doesn't happen like that. It is when you learn to walk with God. It is when you learn to trust God. That is when that fear gets to die out. When it tries to kick in, you're reminded to say, remember when there was, I was backed in the corner and God created a door behind me. That is the kind of Christianity we need to live. Ident number four. As, as I conclude, number four, the last one. Jesus said something nice to Peter. He said, Simon, maybe we could project back to where we were. Verse 17. And Jesus said unto him, he said, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, upon, which, upon this rock I will build my church. Something happened here when Peter discovered who Jesus was. His name was changed. A name is what gives you identity. You are identified by your name. I remember of a guy called Jabez in the Bible who went and sought God because he knew his name was not good for him. And he prayed, every time you want your circumstances to change, there must be a change in your identity. It might not mean your name exactly, but it, might, it, need, it means you change with whom you identify yourself with. It is when a man knows that I have changed and my name is no longer Simon. Other scholars have said Simon means a reed that is found by the water and Peter means a rock. It means water can come and the reed might be shaken, blown away, moved left, right, center, but the rock stays in its place. Now this is where we need to get. We need to change our identity as we know God. As you discover God, there is something about you that will change that no man can explain. There is something about knowing God that you cannot find from just coming to church. There is something you can know about. There is something about you that changes by knowing God, by spending time in the closet. It is when you identify yourself with God. My brothers and my sisters, today the message I came with was very simple. And that is, whom do you say that I am? The Bible says... He shall bless the works of your hands. You write your statistics exams, and people are waiting. In case you did not know, people are always waiting to see what a Christian believer has to show. The moment pastor is driving in the rain, and there's someone riding a bicycle next to him, people will say, isn't that the pastor? Why didn't he get that guy and put him in the car with his bicycle? But normally, it's, it's normal. Maybe pastor was going that direction, the other guy. But just because they saw pastor pass, they will ask to say, why did he not help that guy? If you are a believer, you are in class, people will ask you and say, hey, what grade did you get? You are a believer and you are hitting the edges that people get worried at home. They start asking, when are we seeing our brother-in-law? When you are a child of God, you've been praying fire prayer. And people are waiting. You have completed your degree and they are asking you, when is the job coming? Yeah. 
You are a child of God. You have prayed and yet you lose your relative to death. And yet God says, I am the great physician. Whom do you say God is? It is when you have no food on the table and yet you still say, God, you're my provider. Thank you, mighty God, that every day of my life you sustain me. It is that kind of a level. It is whom you say God is, not whom did you hear he is. There is a difference, brethren. And this is the message for the day. My brother Ennis, shall we close together? When Jesus asked the question, he knew what the answer should have been. He knew what they should have answered. But what differentiated, what Jesus wanted <clears throat> was for them to get a revelation from God himself. And that is something that changes a man. That is what gives you the confidence that others do not have. That is the one that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear nothing because God is with me. And that is where you say, a thousand shall fall by my side and ten thousand by my right hand side. Because you know who God is. That is the one where you say, they shall come in one direction against me, but they shall scatter in seven ways. That is where you say that I know who is for me is greater than he that is of the world. That is where you get to say that, oh my God, you are my sustainer. You are my alpha and you are my omega. No matter the season, you are still God. In the rain, you are still mighty God. In the sunshine, you are still ancient of days. You are still faithful. You are omniscient, omnipresent. You are God who is, who was, and who is yet to be. You are there every day of my life. You have never slept nor slumbered over me. Over me, you are jealous, my God. You keep your eyes and your ears are listening to my voice, my moan, my any movement that I have, you listen to me. That is what, that is the relationship that you get to move with God. Now to get to this point, you need to understand that you need a revelation from God. But the revelation is not found just by pastor telling you that Jesus is here. The revelation is what you find between you and God. That revelation is only found in your closet. It is not found on every Sunday service that you stand and you listen and you dance. There is a difference there. There is something about God that you need to know. If you, if you think you know God, then he's no longer God. Because God is indescribable. He's incomprehensible. The moment you're able to comprehend who God is, then that is the moment he ceases to be God. But I believe God is incomprehensible. You can, today I know he's that. Tomorrow I get to learn more about God. It is a learning process. It is a gradual process. There are great men of God who've raised people from the dead, but even them do not know God completely. They keep on discovering him every day. My brother, my sister, you need to hunger to discover God. Jesus walked with his disciples. They saw him do miracles, but they did not know who he was. They knew his humanity, but did not realize his divinity. His divinity can only be found in God. Now, for you to be able to get the divinity part of God, to understand God more and more, you need to hunger for him. You need to say, God, I'm empty at this point. I need you to come and fill me in. Fill me in, Lord. Every day, every day of my life, I need you to fill me in. That is what it means to walk with God. Do not be so comfortable as a Christian. I remember in Judges chapter 16 verse 20, there was a man called Samson. And Samson was so comfortable because every time the Spirit of the Lord used to come upon him, he was able to do wonders. And that moment little did he know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. You might be thinking you are continuously walking with God, but you might have drifted from him because he never drifts from you. 
you might think as a child of God, I'm still able to preach, I'm still able to teach, but you have left his presence. It is never too late to get back. If you can mean it, you can make it. No matter how far you've gone to the south when you're supposed to be going to the north, it is never too late to turn back. It is never too late to say, God, I want to hunger for you. I need you more than ever. I need you more than before. I, there's something. Brethren, shall we just stand up as I call pastor to just close this one for me? We need to hunger for him. And that hunger must come from above. We need that supernatural hunger. We need to ask God to say, God, give me the hunger to worship you. Give me the hunger to want to spend my time with you. You need to hunger for him that God may you reveal yourself to me more than I have seen. There is no, no man who can say I have known God enough. It is never enough to know God as others have said or as you have reached. There is always a step. Go ahead and pray and say, Father, show me yourself. Reveal yourself to me. I need a revelation of you, Jesus. I need a revelation of you, Jesus. Oh God, I come before you, Lord Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you what you need to know about God. To teach you what you need to know about Jesus. To teach you what you need. Oh, you can get out of this place today with a different mindset, a different understanding. A different understanding, a different understanding. Oh God, I pray. Pray and say, Father, open my eyes that I may see you. Open my eyes that I may see you. Open my eyes that I may see you. Open my eyes that I may see you by faith, O oh God, that I may see you. That I may have a deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge of you. Open my eyes, O oh God. Open my eyes, Lord God. Oh God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want more of you, Lord God. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you, oh God. I want more of you, Lord. I want more of you, Lord God. I need more. I need more. I need more. Open my ears, oh God, to hear you. Open my ears, oh Lord, to hear you. Open my ears, Lord, to hear you. My God, that I may be spiritually sensitive to you. That I may be spiritually sensitive to you. In my daily walk, in my everyday walk, in every moment of my life. That I may be spiritually sensitive to you. My God, you say they that walk after the Spirit, they are the children of God. Oh Lord, help me, Holy Spirit. 
Help me, O God, in the name of Jesus. you. 